Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we've got a good special guest, someone who's become a friend of mine over the course of the last couple months, um, Sam Smith. Um, Many of you know Sam for what she did early in January, which was through um, her own efforts, those efforts of an intern, um, and the efforts of the team that she's assembled over a collective hustle, put together just a fantastic Seed the South event. Um, For those of you that weren't in attendance, it was an event to, in the morning, kind of educate potential investors on what that's like. And in the afternoon, it was to spotlight the entrepreneurs. Um, the entrepreneurs throughout the day had a, had a nice little demo room. Um, and then the afternoon, they were part of the, part of the discussion. So I got to pitch. There were prizes given. Just a really nice event to showcase and spotlight Charlotte area entrepreneurs. So she did a great job with that event. Sam is also the founder and CEO of Vision. Um, It is a retail innovation startup focused on the exploration of color. Um, It's a really cool concept. Um, It's been written about in Start Charlotte. Sam talks about it prolifically at different events. Um, But essentially, there's a real issue with folks that see a color out and about and want to match that with their home decor. And she and her team at Vision are solving for that. So I'm excited about it. They're in the process of launching their beta as we speak. Um, So they're going to get some great feedback here over the course of the next couple weeks and months. And they're going to continue to improve and enhance. And if Sam tackles it, and I think she is, actually I know she is, if she tackles it in the same way that she tackled Seed the South, then we'll have another successful startup here in Charlotte over the course of the next six or 12 months. So really great interview with Sam. We did it the Friday following Seed the South. Um, So for those of y'all that know Sam, you might notice that she was uh, a little, um, she was a little worn out. So I think that event rightfully so just took a, a lot to put on. But um, really, really fun conversation with her today. I gave her a beer. It took about 10 or 15 minutes for that to pump through. And then I think we were off to the races. So enjoy today's podcast with Sam. And um, next week, we've got a, again, we're going to go back to back to back weeks with the podcast. Um, We've got Amir and James with Rabu, who will be on the podcast next week. Um, great little um, interview uh, podcast with them. They recently just raised $1.5 million um, to fund their growth, and boy, are they growing. So really fun little interviews, so stick around next week, and then we'll go back to our every other week's schedule. I just had a few that I really needed to get in kind of quick, and I didn't want to wait much longer, so this was the best way to tackle it. So thanks for your patience. A few just things to to put out there. I, I know I've been doing a lot of local events. We're talking about local events here lately. Um, the Charlotte Angel Connection, again, does quarterly events. I mentioned this last week. Um, on February 21st, our tentative will be at, um, um, we'll be doing our first quarter event. We will have John and Lister from Idea Fund in town doing a, hour-long what they call their partner pitch, um, which is going deeper into an hour-long interview with the founder about their company. I think it'll be a really great interview for potential investors to see what professional investors do doing a do, during a due diligence process. And then I obviously think it'll be beneficial for the entrepreneurs in Charlotte to come out and see what it's like to go through the ringer a little bit further. So by all means, we'd love to have both parties out there. We'll have some demo tables set up as well. Please see the show notes for more information as we continue to try to narrow down that company as well as location and some additional details. So stay tuned, look at the show notes and certainly hope to have y'all out there. In the meantime, again, I hope you enjoy this podcast today with Sam Smith. Visit our website, 
www.vision.co. Um, also check out what they do over at Collective Hustle and continue to root for, you know, the Charlotte entrepreneurial system that she and many others are continuing to support and build up. So enjoy today's podcast and we hope to have you back next week. Alright, welcome to the show, Sam. Hey. So uh, glad to be here. Yeah. So we're uh, so we're sitting here on Friday, January tenth. Is that right? Eleventh. Eleventh. Yeah. Um, which happens to be several days after um, seeing the South. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think most people that were there probably weren't there and have seen pictures, look at it, and say, "Wow, what a successful event." Mm-hmm. So. Um, Ooh, hit me with a hard question. Like, so what failed? Yeah. So what failed? <laughs> So, I mean, let's go, I mean, let's, rather than talk about the event first, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about why, right? What was the, um, six months ago, 12 months ago, two weeks ago, how did it, yeah. what was the kind of thing that brought it to be? Yeah, I think if, um, from the outside looking in, you're thinking that came together rather quickly, yeah. you weren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was, uh, it was definitely a last minute, uh, shuffle, but the idea itself, um, happened back in July, August, okay. I saw a, um, another group in Seattle that I wanted to participate in doing something similar okay. and uh, obviously not in Seattle. And I got a little angsty about not having something like that here. Okay. I'm lucky enough. just go to Seattle? I, yeah. <laughs> if only I had more frequent yeah. flyer miles. You have to be pretty nitpicky about, uh, that guy's up. But I have two advisors in Seattle, so I did think about it. Okay. Um, no, I had the idea back in August, but Collective Hustle only had so much money. Uh, so I had to be rather careful about um, over-promising on a concept that I might not be able to deliver. So I started uh, putting out feelers in the August, September timeframe through a few people. Um, didn't get like the most positive feedback back. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was told not necessarily stay in your lane, but something along the lines stay of like in your lane, that. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's something it's something along those lines. Um but I've never asked for permission before, so okay. I don't have a boss. So I uh I did it I was doing it anyways and uh I happened to be in New York City for a wedding and I saw that Elizabeth from SoGal, she's a managing partner of that fund. Yeah. Um their focus is female and diversity. I was looking for vision for a conversation, but um, also brought up Collective Hustle. I saw she was speaking at an event, so I bought a ticket. It was like four hours before my flight. So I had my luggage with me at the event, waited till she got off stage, and I was like, hey, I'm Sam. This is what who I am. Yeah. This is what I'm doing on the side. Uh, if you're interested in participating, and obviously you saw how that went, uh, SoGal was uh, the partner in making Seed the South. Um, and with that confidence, because they put it enough where it could at least be a small thing, yeah. um, I knew it was possible. And that was when, that was the end of September. So I started putting things together, feelers in the community. I sent out this mass email blast. And um, yeah, a lot of people asked me how, um, how I did it with Vision and everything that was going on already. And honestly, um, it's one thing I really have to commend the community on is we I did was not was not out there doing like a whole sales pitch all yeah. the time um, maybe once or twice yeah but more often than not uh, people were willingly coming to me and if anything I should have asked for more money because yeah. that was way too easy <laughs> it's funny I saw somebody today um, and they said that your sponsorships were too low That's, yeah I got that feedback yeah. uh, more so towards the end yeah well it's the people who were like oh I would have given five thousand yeah. dollars and beaten out XXX yeah. to be the check deliverer yeah. and I'm like oh that's good to know now yeah, exactly. now well now in the next one it'll be I think it'll be easier yeah. that's the, what's nice about having one successful event yeah. under your bill but yeah I had an information session in December December 11th was our informational session for the startups we had our like choosing of them the next week yeah. they have been working for three weeks to get all of this stuff ready to help with see the south literally um, time-consuming for them um, and yeah, the startups the startups yeah, yeah. yeah. where we were pretty uh, aggressive on we wanted things to look a certain way we wanted to put our best foot forward I mean I've had I had people update their websites uh, I was like, if we're going to ask people to spend time with you, you need to 
do something yeah, for us. Too. And they all did it. Yeah. No one complained. Um, I can be a little aggressive. And I, I, I know. <laughs> I'm not super sensitive to people's feelings, so oh. I know. But they know I have the best intentions, I'm yeah. pretty sure. And uh, yeah, I made a lot of requests, and they jumped through hoops. They deserve all of the credit and glamour and everything uh, that comes with Seed the South because they deserve it. Yeah. So you push hard. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't always come across well. Yeah. Um, it just is. To who? <laughs> That's just... I would say I'm pretty popular. I think I was voted Miss Congeniality this year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's possible. <laughs> um, no one says it to your face, so, so we'll see. It's the South. Nobody says it to your it's face. It's whenever yeah. someone calls you passionate, that's yeah. when you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's never, passion's yeah. never a good thing. Yeah, it's like, um... For women, at least. I don't know how it is for men. My son, they always call him determined. Mm. Um... Oh, when he grows up, they'll call him stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like that though. I was always that way. I never. I've always rubbed people wrong my whole life. Fun fact: I played um, flag football in high school. I was the captain. Okay. My nickname was the Nazi because yeah. these girls wouldn't learn the plays. Yeah. <laughs> and how are you going to play football unless you know the plays? Yeah. Yeah. So that was. I've always uh, rubbed people the wrong way, but uh, you know what? They don't hate me as much when we would. So, have you always taken the leadership role in it? Yes. Why? Um, I don't know, and I wonder this about um, founders in general, but even when I uh, make a point not to ask for it somehow, I, I don't know if it's my... I don't know. It just... I, I'm a little controlling, I guess is a good way of saying it too, if you're going to self-reflect, but in every single group project growing up, I've never taken a backseat. I've always been the captain. I've always been the something. So, and not because I'm talented, <laughs> mostly because I'm the loudest person out there. Or maybe it's just because um, I- I'm a good communicator. And that's that might be it as well. I was a communications major, so. Okay. <laughs> they said it was a wasted degree. Yeah, you already know. I know, yeah, I know. But I mean, I feel like a half of my week is all communicating. Yeah. Like, I don't know if other CEOs feel that way. Probably not ones that are um, more hands down with coding. Yeah. But uh, I feel like the majority of my role is just communication and management. Okay. Yeah. What, um, so where's the, uh, where's the future for Seed the South then? And I know you're two days off of it, so it's hard to yeah. really say the future, but. Obviously, it was successful. Um, so obviously, <laughs> obviously, was <Yeah>. it? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think it was successful. And this is something too that I was honestly pretty um, uh, hard on myself for not having a next step yeah. already lined up because I hate ending something without having like some sort of call to action. Yeah. Um, but in my mind, the next step is—it's tough. I want to make sure I do it correctly. Because you have to wonder, we had a lot of uh, startups around Charlotte who really wanted to participate in yeah. the South. Uh, but I always want to stay true to Charlotte-centric. Um, so I, I don't know how that would play. Uh, whether it's maybe we had it within, it was a 30-mile radius of Uptown. Um, maybe we extended it to 100. I, I, I don't know. Um, but and Charlotte startup seems growing. I mean, you can combine it to just Charlotte and just let it be what it is, right? I think my concern with that, because we have a uh, two parties that we're playing to, which are the startups first and foremost, yeah. but also the investors. Yeah. And if you don't bring something new for them, then they're not going to show up. And it's at a, at the detriment to the startups who are even here. Yeah. So we have to get creative as to how we can provide content that's fresh. Um, and you can't just keep getting earlier staged because yeah. <laughs> that's worse. Yeah. Um, so more so, um, I, I'll always keep the same um, thing at heart, which is maintaining uh, Charlotte semblance, Charlotte focus. I have people who were applying to see this out that said they would move here to yeah. participate, at, which is ridiculous. Yeah. If you saw that the price was $1,000. I was there for a month. I wrote back and I was like, don't do that. And don't do that for anyone. (laughs) But I think it's because people within the South are, they are really desperate to find a way to stand out. Yeah. There just aren't. And speaking as a founder, and this is one of the primary reasons I knew that this was important right now is that the opportunities to showcase your startup at an actual, um, cost effective manner is 
the opportunities are so limited. Yeah. Tech disc, uh, what is it? Disrupt Tech Crunch. I think it's like fifteen hundred dollars a table. To that's stupid. Yeah, pay the It's uh, like we are. My company was built on thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm not good at percentages, but that's yeah. a big chunk of it. it <laughs> so you have to be, you have to be very smart. And one of the things that I. Uh, always will maintain for a seat the south as founders will pay for nothing yeah. we fed them uh, they got free drinks at the end thanks to start charlotte and yeah. breakfast but never never they will never have to pay a single dime because it's that they're not the party who should be paying for anything yeah. no, agree. so so um so talk about your other um event series i guess because you're going to do seat the south monthly right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what's next? I mean, so the Collective Hustle uh, panel... What is the real quiz? What is Collective Hustle? Hustle, Yes, so Collective Hustle, and this was uh, an interesting facet of this as well. The Collective Hustle is a uh, networking organization, if you will, of investors and founders within Charlotte with a focus on inclusivity and diversity. Okay. So um, we try to bring in both sides, investors who are female, um, non-white, uh, and as well as founders as well, and it, through being proactive in our invitations mm-hmm. and trying to inspire attendees to bring um, other folks, yeah. people who don't quite look like them. Um, so when we were building Seed South, and even with Collective Hustle, if you look at it on its face, uh, no, not really diving deeply into like our marketing or anything like that, uh, it doesn't say women's only anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that was honestly a very tough balance with Seed the South. We didn't want to lose what our main initiative is, which is that inclusivity factor. So I probably spent the whole last week going back and forth trying to figure out at what point am I getting preachy (laughs) and at what point will the crowd turn on me? (laughs) They signed up for one thing and it wasn't to hear me talk about uh, women. (laughs) So I, I, I had to really play... Um, a fine line with how I incorporated that into the conversation because when you are given a platform, I, and even if you create your own platform, yeah. but when you're given the opportunity, um, you should try to bolster those types of main initiatives because I personally don't find it as an annoyance, um, but I can see why someone would. Like, I don't go to investor events and want to listen to church stuff. Like, if you're going to a place and hear something that's not what you were considering um, or it wasn't the reason why you purchased the ticket, that's totally makes sense to get frustrated over it. See, so, yeah, I had to really finesse how I could incorporate it in. So how did Collective Hustle start then? Um, Collective Hustle began when I was creating vision. I was going around the startup scene and struggling to find other female entrepreneurs. Um, the biggest, like the catalyst moment, I mentioned this during Seed the South, was I was going to an event at Catawba Brewing. It was a Techstars event, actually, which yeah. is comical because of the three ladies who are at Techstars. Um, but I went to Catawba Brewing, I looked in their side room, and it was all men and they were all sitting down. Eventually, a woman did show up, but I actually didn't say this on stage just because it yeah. takes too long. So I went in. And it was a wife of one of the founders. <laughs> she had nothing to do with. She's like, yeah, I'm just here supporting. And I know exactly who the founder is now. Yeah, yeah I'm not. She's like, I'm not even like. Are you a wife too? And I was like, no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. It, so I had already been speaking with um, Aru. She had her own thing going on, and um, another female founder as well, Mary. And we decided. Um, let's try to join forces. And see idea, um, I had been speaking to Lauren there about, I just told her this pain point. And I, and I told her that I was talking to other female founders about it. And she's like, if you can figure out a solve for that, we'll, we'll help you with grant money. So they literally like said, we'll pay for it if you can figure it out. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> so your first event with Collective Hustle was? May. May of 18. Yeah. It was with, um, honestly, everyone who was on the panel except for Maggie, and it's because they had a trip this month, but um, yeah, was involved somehow in Seed the South. What's great is, um, and I did this intentionally, I dipped back into our previous uh, speakers, because have you ever been to a panel event and just terrible people are on it? (laughs) And you're like, did no one listen to these people ever? So I wanted to make sure that at least part of the people... um, or some of the people who we've invited, I heard from, I know they're not not only knowledgeable, but engaging. Um, you need to have those people within. 
or the whole thing can go to shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So that must be why you had me first. That was it. The, the, the That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You knew it. Yeah, yeah you knew it. Yeah. No, one of the comments I did give yeah. uh, or get was that our moderators were perfect. Yeah, of course. Uh, but I did that meticulously as well because that job is hard. Yeah. It's not easy. Uh, it's and I think people don't notice this, but you really have to do a role of. Uh, figuring out how you can listen and act like you're playing off of the individuals and what they're currently saying, but also stick to the topic at hand because it can get pretty unruly. And then you have these panelists, speaker, who just, just talk and they oh, won't yeah. stop talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yes, no, and there's no smooth way of like being, <laughs> please stop. But I mean, we're all egotistical. That's why we're doing what we're doing. So, of course, we love to hear our own voices. What we should do for the next scene this out? I have like uh, a bell. You <laughs> <laughs> should have like straws and spit it. Oh, oh, more yeah. gentle. Yeah, yeah yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Or maybe like, I was thinking music yeah. then off. Yeah. <laughs> So. <laughs> I threatened the sponsor. Well, I didn't threaten the sponsors. I said we were going to play music and play them off if they spoke over their okay. time period. Yeah. Um, I think only one spot, two sponsors spoke over of it. So, but see, so see the South was great. Clinton Hustle is a monthly event series. Yeah, we try or, to keep it that way. Okay. <laughs> it's it tough. Yeah, it's tough. Well, it's, it's honestly tough in this environment to find um, female investors who are on the panel. We have a goal of having 50-50 uh, investors, founders, Male women, um, it, male women, men and women. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it it it's Friday afternoon. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> for, for reference point, it's Friday afternoon at four forty-eight. So yeah. I brought Sam and I some some brewskis. I think most people in the community have brewskis with me. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's like one of the. They're like, does she drink water? Yeah, She's thirty percent alcohol. I have some of that too. Here that's terrible. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's terrible that my mom probably will listen yeah. to this because she's my biggest fan. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, all right, so you know we'll come. I want to bounce back and forth between Seat South and Clay the Hustle and everything mm-hmm. else. But um, you know, you're a founder, mm-hmm. um, which means you have a company, yeah. which means I want you to talk about it. I like that. Uh, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, so yeah. I'll talk about it. I would imagine so. It's not a not a tough topic to talk about. My own baby. Yeah, your own kid. You don't like to give it like too much attention, though. You know, then they become spoiled. But you have to. I know. So what is it? Oh yeah, so Vision. Um, Vision is a mobile application that allows interior designers and new homeowners uh, to search by color for decor, but also to organize their design online. Uh, We partnered with Sherwin-Williams to uh, help make this easier. So you can take a paint color, find a complimentary um, piece of art, or find something exact like a pillow that will match um, an item in your room. Um, Yeah, that's Vision in a nutshell. It's it's definitely a fun experience. The color is way more complicated than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so um, walk me through it real quick for just a second. So we've got these beautiful Triple C cans in front oh, of us. Oh, they are beautiful. Um, we should get some sponsorship for Triple C as well. Yeah, Triple C. <laughs> but um, it's that aqua color. Right. Um, so I've got Vision as a download on my phone. Right. Is that what I've got? Yeah, so it's a so, mobile app. And yeah, you have take to take a picture of it. Exactly. So the human eye can see 10 million colors. Vision allows you to use 3,600 colors. We used, well, so one of my team figured out that like mathematically speaking, that's pretty much all you can see within a screen. The screen okay. is pretty limiting um, as far as the colors that can be displayed. And, uh, and for reference, Sherwin-Williams says 1,500 paint colors. So when you see the wall at Lowe's, that's how many colors we have to deal with. So you can take a picture, pull the color, and conduct a search. Um, we're also enabling the ability to define the color too, as well. And there, there are so many ways in which that can be done. Whether it's the Sherwin Williams paint color, using that to instigate the color search, um, which is easy because then you have a physical representation. Especially like you're at Lowe's, you see um, it on the wall, and you're like, "I love that color. Let me use that." Um, yeah, you can get more granular with Vision than any other application. So there's a thousand ways you can make money off of it. Yeah. How do you plan to make the money out? There are yeah. there are so many um, there's so many ways. You and that's kind of a store essentially, right? You know, like the pass <laughs> I mean, we tried not. To, that's not that wasn't one of the routes we were thinking. Yeah. But there are a few um, few different methodologies. Uh, first and foremost, we're a search engine, so it's a search engine yeah. model. We get paid by the retailer um, impression and clicks. Um, there are a few other revenue streams that come with that. Obviously, you have like advertising and things along those lines. But one of the key focuses that we have at Vision is the um, ability to 
better assess color rather than just depending on the image itself. So working with the retailers and we're working with our pilot retailers on this to say, how can I um, gain this accurate color data and be able to use that not only to improve the search quality for the individual, but also to tell the retailer, oh, this image is misrepresenting the color on its face. Because if you're on the vision application and you search for this type of blue, and let's say it's correct, like we gave you the right result, but the image doesn't look correct, then what are you going to do? Yeah. So going down the road, we have different revenue channels that are going to enable the retailer to better uh, fine tune their data. We're going to flag misrepresentation, um, not only from color, but also just different areas where if they're getting super granular, an interior designer knows exactly what they want. They know the finish, they know the fabric. Um, they are going to use this in an umpteenth degree, which yeah. is why we chose them as our first initial users. Our mindset being, if we have someone who knows exactly what they want, that's the person that we want to serve. And if we can meet their expectations, then we can just trickle down from there. So how do we flag data that's missing to help that retailer improve on their own backend um, for further implications later on? So um, you didn't wake up and think of this overnight? Oh, that's so weird. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the um, shower one day. I know. Yeah. Well, color has been an issue for me, and it's and this is I mean it's one of those things that is primarily a female problem. We have a few men who, and all the investors I'm speaking with are male, so I can't say that men don't understand the problem. Um, but they hear it every day from their wives. That's a, no. Some of them are yeah. like, yeah, ugh, colors. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's uh, something that I've dealt with throughout throughout my life. But I mean, primarily in the last five years, I think of at least 10 examples where it's actually affected me to a point of extreme annoyance. Um, and then I was at one more catalyst moment. Um, but now I was fortunate enough to be in the position where I was at a previous startup. I was going to sit at the table. I had a better understanding of what it takes to run a company. <laughs> Not a full understanding. Now I know. <laughs> but I definitely like have uh, emailed back and forth being like, thank you for being so nice to me. I was so, <laughs> such an asshole. <laughs> just how needy I was all the time and with all my ideas and all that kind of thing. And they uh, were very kind to me. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm a founder, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely a different experience. But it was, I was at Kindred and Davidson. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, they have this, their interior is beautiful. Yeah, no, it is tropical, gorgeous. That's it, yeah. And so my husband and I had just purchased a bed and we were sitting at the bar and the bar is this beautiful shade of green and um, husband per usual had a wonderful idea saying let's get a nightstand in that shade of green it would go perfectly with a village spot and I was like oh, yes that's wonderful after eating with their wonderful bread I was like let's google this Pinterest it all these other items um, two weeks later I was still looking for it I took a picture of the bar I was still like searching Physically going to different websites, West Elm, uh, Crate and Barrel, uh, I could not find it anywhere. Um, as soon as we had our beta, I found it instantly, by the way. But we were at the point of, um, oh, let's get a custom made. We've been doing that a lot lately. Like, we need to get everything custom because nothing is the way we want it, or we just can't find it. Yeah. Um, and that was when I had the idea for Vision, which the first name for Vision was really whack. If you wanna. <laughs> Yeah, of course. You can't hold back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Swatch Code. Swatch Code. I know. I was, I think so. <laughs> No, there was a name after that. The name after that was Venary. And it was, it was short for Visionary. And that was, and then, yeah, that's how we came to Vision. But yeah, like, everyone was like, whoops, Swatch. First of all, Swatch Code wouldn't have worked because Swatch sues everyone <laughs> for their name. I found that out rather quickly. Yeah. So I was like, well, we can't do that. I liked, and stupid, I liked Swatch Code because um, it, it was SC, which is my initials, Smith Colleen. And I was like, oh, oh to my mom. My mom's name's Colleen. Yeah. Yeah, I was buying way too into it. But it was the same uh, concept of you have some sort of exact identifier that you would be able to cross-reference with something else. So um, let's stop there for a second. You mentioned, um, are you okay, you need another one? Yeah, let's pop the next one. Um, so I'm awake, awake now, like beer has this effect. So um, you just said it, which is you got way too stuck on the name, <laughs> right? The um, old swatch code. Because oh. um, it, it was your initials, it was a shout out to your mom, it was everything else. Yeah. Um, as a founder, you do that, right? You hone in on something and 
and it's like it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be. But you change. How do you get into? How do you allow yourself to change? Yeah. What's so funny is one of the beer. Yeah. Are you ready? Love it. <laughs> one of the original people I interviewed for it's her. Just, it's not like um, um, uh, Elon Musk spoke. Oh yeah. yeah it's Which a I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Elon, he's a he's a mess. Yeah. A woman wouldn't be able yeah. to get her away with half the shit he does. So, uh, so anyway, so no, how do you how do you get yourself off your? Um, it must do this, or it must be that, or we must use this name. Yeah. You- well, I don't think that I am as uh, bad about it. I never want to be in a position in which I have not been flexible enough to see the writing on the wall, and I've known that from the beginning. I think it's actually way harder, in my mind, to um, tell the people you've sold on the original concept that we might be going through a shift. Um, And it's not necessarily that vision has changed from the very original concept that I had. It's more so that it's gotten extremely fine-tuned. And I think that's a natural progression for most startups. Uh, Just out of, you have this wonderful idea, you see the 10-year plan, but you have to get to year one. You have to be the Amazon of books, etc. So it was, it was through testing um, and things along those lines that we found, rationally speaking, Decor has less turnover. You have easy swatches to test that color data on. Like there are multiple implications as to why Decor was the best methodology to go. Um, and then we have a consumer base of interior designers that have such a frequent need that one of the biggest concerns from an investor, uh, which is perfectly, I don't mind mentioning it, is how do you, is color search enough? Is that enough to make someone come back um, more times over? And we have ways in which we are intending on doing that, but with the natural building process, um, that's gonna take a little bit of time. We're not gonna get to the end vision, and we need to be able to have some sort of runway to get there. So we wanted to get an audience at the forefront that was gonna have that consistent frequency that we were feeling such a pressure point for them. Um, Not only that, they're a very vocal community, um, they are, and they will tell you what they don't like. Yeah. And that's, I don't think that uh, many people have that opportunity. I don't know if it's because interior design is more of a female-focused market that these folks feel so severely underserved, uh, but it gives us a great opportunity to step in and fill the void that is currently existing within the market today. So how fast do you want to run? How fast can you actually run? Oh my God, that has been the, t- the toughest lesson. <laughs> like, it, it's so hard. And this is, I mean, going back to see the South too. What we, what happened Wednesday? I always knew it was going to happen. Like yeah. that is exactly what I envisioned. Now, with technology <laughs> that takes it takes so much longer. And the other aspect of it, which is why it's defensible, um, color is complicated. It is not easy. There's a reason why color search doesn't exist. And I always, when I initially thought of vision, I was like, oh, so easy. We're just gonna take the RPG values, the image, and da 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 And no, it's hard. It takes a lot of processing power. Um, right now, we're basing it at the initial phase off of the image itself um, with the intention of getting more accurate color data as we go, uh, just as a starting place to ensure we have enough results. But that, um, the, I told you how many colors, the, how even I could see, that's a lot of colors. <laughs> you know, and then our initial, one of our um, retailers on our pilot, one of, in their portfolio of products, they have like 2,500 versions of gray. And we were having issues with like, it just took too long to go through all the grays. <laughs> like, and we cache all that information and, and we're using it in an intelligent manner, but there are, there's just one retailer alone is 2,500 grays. So now we're offering you a product in which you can go across retailers. Our technology in where it's intelligent is that we're finding better methodologies to ensure that can happen um, in a reasonable amount of time. We don't want to sit here <laughs> for an hour. No one's going to sit on my app for yeah. an hour <laughs> being like, let's wait for the perfect gray. <laughs> like, yeah. Was you for dinner last night? Yeah. So we're trying to find different partners um, and build our technology in a way that can enable a more accurate and efficient search. So you're not alone. No. Talk a little bit about your tech. <laughs> you about yeah, we, yeah, you want to talk yeah. about Steve? Yeah, no. <laughs> talk about your team. Right? Where's, um, you know, how did you find your team? Oh. Um, and 
what are they doing and just give us a little background on them and how it came to be. Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest things off the bat was that I needed to have my team here in Charlotte and wanted them to have a physical presence with me. I had this whole, one of those passion people that I think you can see through, probably see the South as well, just like my personality in that, that I feel like I have something to prove and I'm going to do it with everything that I do. So I wanted to prove that I could build a diverse team here in Charlotte. Um, and that we could be successful with that. Uh, finding people in Charlotte is challenging, <laughs> to say the least. That was, <laughs> it was a nightmare. Uh, imagine whatever I think, like, in San Francisco, it might take a month in Charlotte, do it times five, maybe. So when did, so let's take, uh, let's stop there real quick. When did you, what was the idea for Vision? It was July of 2017. So 2017, so I'm going to come up on two years. Well, um, yeah. Sorry, just <laughs> not crazy. It is, right? It, yeah. It, it, nothing happens overnight. Everybody thinks it's an overnight oh thing, gosh. and it never is. Yeah. So when did you form the LLC? Or you oh, LLC? November. So no, no, November. we're a C-Corp. You're a C-Corp? Delaware C-Corp. Okay, nice. Well played. Thanks. Um, so, um, <laughs> I just figured everybody goes LLC because it seems to be the thing to do in Charlotte. Yeah, it, which it shouldn't be. Yeah, no, do not do that. Yeah. Delaware, <laughs> Delaware C-Corp is yeah. what they like. Um, so, um, see... So idea in July, formation in November, November, and then first hire. So yeah, I mean, no one's being paid on my team. Fair enough. But so first person on was September. Both my co-founders came at the same time. Obviously, maybe this isn't obvious, I'm not technical in nature. So there is this moment where you're like, <laughs> you have to find someone. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, such an essential component. I can just talk this thing <laughs> into existence. I can talk a lot of things yeah. into existence, but yeah, technology was not one of them. Yeah. Um, so my co-founders I brought on uh, pretty early in September. One I met through um, just grilling people on LinkedIn, like 150 different people. The so other, did you put a LinkedIn post out there? Or no, no, I looked through there. I bought premium LinkedIn, looked through all of their um, pages. I looked for so some- stalker. Yeah. Oh, I'm great at that. All the best CEOs are stalkers, aren't they? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure. Um, and you then- are, that's all I know. <laughs> yeah. You have to know what the other person knows before they know yeah. it. That's not, it takes talking. Yeah. <laughs> um, my other co-founder, uh, we met through flag football. So, um, and then everyone after that, that was definitely, I mean, just as long, a long of a process, but uh, a challenge. You, you want to be very careful um, about, firstly, if this person's going to be long-term, I wanted them to have the same uh, fundamental values that I have. So where it's the diversity thing, inclusion, all of that. And I know that's a collective hustle thing, but I really embed that um, throughout everything. I want to make sure they're all on the same page. Um, and I do the same things the investors are talking to. And I know beggars can't be choosers, but uh, if they want to understand me and if this is going to be a marriage, they're going to have to get on board with some of the decision-making processes that I'm going to make um, and where I put emphasis. Because I do think long-term, it's a huge value add. Um, so my team... All of them had a three-month trial on a contract period, and then we asked them to be on the team because we had to figure out if we could work together. And there were, we had uh, three people we contracted with who didn't work out. Yep. Um, not in a bad way either. They were really nice, it just wasn't a, a fit. The thing about startup life in Charlotte is, in, in comparison to something like San Francisco or New York City, is that people um, don't really know what it takes. and it's way harder than you think it'll be. Like what I'm living right now is the montage <laughs> that they gloss over. Yeah. And uh, everyone thinks it's so good in theory. But what they don't realize is you're gonna be side hustling until who knows when. It's, there's a date somewhere yeah. <laughs> that I can't tell you. And I, as a leader, I think that's probably the hardest part is you have to prepare them. And in that three month trial period, that's what I do. You have to prepare them for the fact that uh, it's not going to go according to plan. I'm going to try my best, but I might not be able to deliver. Um, it's uh, it's a stressful uh, situation that no one is going to be able to understand, other than me <laughs> and the people on your team. Yeah. So you worked at a startup previously. Yes. Um, but you mentioned two advisors in Seattle. Yeah. Um, so you've got a team that's working on the core product, mm. but... 
you've got two advisors in Seattle, which means I'm assuming you have advisors elsewhere. Yeah. So my advisor, I only have one advisor that's here in Charlotte. Okay. And he was actually a hands-on until we found someone uh, to serve as a CTO, which we have. Uh, he was actually our interim CTO. Okay. Um, so he's a CTO at a local startup here as well, mm -hmm. um, and has been pretty hands-on the actual back end and building architecture of, of vision. My other advisors um, work at, one of them specializes in computer vision and works at Zillow. Um, he also wrote four books on color management. Um, he's working on their computer vision team. I have uh, an advisor from Apple um, who focuses on UX and UX development. I have another advisor who was one of the first um, hires at House, which is our biggest competitor. He was the VP of sales and brought that from no sales team to a thousand people. They have a very interesting sales structure on the back end. Um, and then our last advisor um, worked at Nordstrom's for 16 years and was the head of their digital and e-commerce. Yeah, so they're in Colorado, Seattle, and New York City. How'd you find them? Um, why did you find them? How, why? The first, yeah, no, that's a great question. The first thing that I did with my um, founding team was I made them all list out what their weaknesses were mm -hmm. and what we need to fill. Um, we are very honest on my team about issues as they come up, uh, deficiencies as they stand, uh, because it's the only way you can ensure that you're actually taking the right steps. So uh, color, I knew it was going to be a beast right away. I was reading an article about color, and Josh's name, he was sourced in the article. Okay. So I looked him up, and uh, yeah, I messaged him on everyone. I messaged through LinkedIn, and that's how I found them. But mostly it was through research um, and doing things for vision, looking through research on color and um, items along those lines that I found most of my advisors and all of them I reached out to one way or another. I had a call with them, kind of tested them on the idea itself, and I found if they could give me harsh enough feedback, that's exactly who I'd want, um, or insights that I wouldn't be able to otherwise gain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I never looked internally in Charlotte for advisors. Uh, what's interesting is, and what's great about uh, this location for vision, is that we are in a area that's high on fabric creation, decor creation, with high point market and things along those lines. A lot of the um, resources and contacts are actually in Charlotte, um, more so people I would sell to than anything else, yeah. uh, and strategic partners. Um, so that's advantageous, but as far as startups go and in what we're doing, there's there may be like one other startup um, that focuses on retail, and I might be, not, I'm not talking about Ecom Dash, I was thinking ad shoppers would probably be one of them. Um, not really anyone who I would need. Yeah. <laughs> when did it click to you that you're in Charlotte and there's so much furniture manufacturing around here? And it's oh, like, oh, man, this is... I know. That was definitely a later stage thought. Yeah. It wasn't an initial, like, I should start a furniture thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. It was like, um, oh, man, maybe a few months in. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was definitely late. I didn't know. I'm not, which is terrible, but it's true. I'm not from the industry yeah. of uh, decor and interior design, but I definitely learned fairly quickly. Well, no, I mean, it's part of it's like we did the uh, podcast interview with Angel Rutledge a couple months ago. She talked about, you know, Charlotte being the perfect place, and it didn't, you know, everybody would say, wow, how was Charlotte allowed you to be perfect? And yeah. it just did, right? With the churches and um, soccer and all yeah, the other yeah. things. It was just the perfect place for the store. Um, so when you think about it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, not San Francisco, Charlotte. It's a, no, it's an ideal location. Do I see us in the future if we get to the level that I want to be at, expanding to other areas? Yeah. Yes, but Charlotte will, yeah, Charlotte will always be where we are. I'm building my team here, bringing people in. Um, it, it could be easier. <laughs> there are a few elements that could be easier. But, but you know, I, mean, I was talking about it um, just to go back to your seat this alpha event the other day. I was talking about it, somebody about it with, um, the other day. It's like. There's challenges in San Francisco too, right? It's oh, not yeah. all, it's not oh, all no, no, no. lucky there either. There's a different set of challenges that you have to run through. Yeah, and that's what, um, so we had the Comeback Cities tour come through yep. Charlotte, and I was speaking to um, Roy Bahat from Bloomberg Beta about this, and he said, by no means is Charlotte unique. We are very much in the same boat as everyone else where uh, we don't have enough talent to fulfill our needs. Um, we lack resources. We, we, are, we don't have anything exactly right. Um, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. And that's what I said to the Seed the South founders um, as they participated was, if we have the ability, because we're on the precipice, we can create Charlotte in our image. Um, what do we want Charlotte to be? I don't even think Charlotte as a city has figured out. 
who they are. Um, and it's definitely not the start of scene. So if we're at the beginning point of that, we can actually shape what this will be in the future. I'm one of those people who's always thrived big fish, small pond scenarios. Um, that's exactly what we are. And I think once Charlotte realizes that they're a city of transplants yeah. and they embrace that, uh, I think that they'll figure out a few more things. I think that's literally our culture, is that we are from everywhere. Um, and that's what makes us great. Similarly with the startup scene, same type of thing. You're bringing in different perspectives from different areas. You're not all, it's all New York City based and you couldn't serve the Midwest. We're literally, there's no from here. Yeah. Usually it's like rare to find someone from here. And so not only are you thinking diversely as skin color and gender, but you're also by location. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to that. And I think once we figure out that that's our value add, and then we can embrace how we might be able to help each other by connecting with university, local government, and finding incentives for startups themselves, um, I think we'll be able to prosper on a different level. Maybe that $200 million we offered Amazon. Uh, yeah, so yet. weird. Yeah. <laughs> what would I use that money for? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe What's been the biggest, so, but you weren't for a startup before, so you kind of came into it thinking you, you knew it all. Oh, um, I, I think I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, except for accounting. Yeah, except for accounting. <laughs> taxes, right. taxes, man, they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> so what, uh, what's been the biggest eye-opening experience for you, right? Um, biggest eye-opening experience? Yeah, I mean, so you are a founder, you are the CEO of a company what has been it's like, oh my God, I had no idea. I think how lonely it is, probably. That's probably the hardest part. And it's funny because that was a big theme, I think, from, um, I kind of keep bringing this stuff back up. But I think it was interesting how often, I don't, I don't know how you noticed that, but it came up at least four times. Um, I don't think people talk enough about uh, how lonely it is. And maybe it's something that can't be understood until you're in it. Um, but it's your friends, it's not that you don't love them anymore, but their concerns become very minimal. Yeah. And But they still want to talk about the same stupid shit. <laughs> and you're like, they don't understand what you're doing. They don't understand the stress. You, um, you almost would rather be alone on a Friday night than rather deal with, with just insignificant. Like New Year's, it was 10 p.m. I was ready to go home because I was like, I have to start work at 5 the next morning. And I'm not going to stop. I can't stop. That's yeah. the thing is, people are like, oh, take a take a break. Why don't you run more? That's so great for stress. And I'm like, well, you know what? I can work and still drink. And that's good for stress, yeah. too. <laughs> for me. Well, now I figured out, like, if I'm going to do social media for, like, uh, Seed the South or social media for Vision, which yeah. my team mostly handles for Vision, but um, I do that while I'm working out now. I'm like, I have to figure out ways to, like, find that balance. And that was definitely the hardest thing. It took me about a year not only for work and health, but even just my relationship with my husband, because this was not the life I promised him. Yeah. And he has made so many sacrifices to make it possible. Homeboy used to golf like all the time. He has been on a golf thing and like, cause it's expensive. Yeah. We don't purchase new clothing anymore. We don't get to go. We used to eat out every week. Like we don't get to do any of those things. And even tonight I was like, I'm so tired from this week. And I was like, I just don't want to cook. And That's he's tired. Two years, so no, which is great. Which is great. Because it makes me feel better. But he he is in work full time, and he's also in school full time too. While I'm doing all of this, yeah. um, he doesn't feel like cooking tonight either. But we don't have money to go out, so we're not postmates. We're not going to X Y Z. Like we literally have to figure it out and finding that balance. And I don't know if. I would be very interested to hear if the adverse was true, if men have to, I think women are more serving when it comes to supporting their spouses. Um, and I'm not saying that my husband hasn't been serving, but I think his expectations were different yeah. where, um, he knew I could do this, which is why he gave me the go ahead, but I, I don't get a break. I did dishes before I came here. I'm still, we're a 50, 50 partnership. Um, whereas I don't think it's the same way with men. And women, I think the woman usually steps up and does more. But I came into this saying it's a 50-50 partnership. Yeah. And he hasn't given me any uh, leniency on that. <laughs> we still, he stepped up this week. Yeah. This week was stressful. So, yeah. like, he had made all the dinners pre-seat the south. <laughs> but everything's, everything is even in my household. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. you gotta got to step up. Um, 
When does it launch? So we gave our beta to our retailers this week. We're giving ourselves till April. Um, and one of those things is like, I try not to put dates on it now, now yeah. that I know. <laughs> like I knew, I knew. April 1st. Oh my yeah. God, yes. <laughs> I knew from um, Virtual Starbucks, you know the timelines never work. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those, well not only that, it's so dependent upon now. This, this no, well Virtual Starbucks was supposed to start it too, but we're dependent on if I raise my fund or if I raise my um, seed round, pre-seed round, whatever you want to call it here in Charlotte, uh, within this next month, April, yes. If that takes longer, yeah. it's not necessarily that it won't still be April or May, it's more so that some features won't be there. Or like there's certain, obviously, that's how it is, it's give and take. Yeah. And that's, I think that that's when the other difficult thing is, how do you convey the vision without over uh, promising? It's better to obviously under-promise, over-deliver. Yeah. Uh, but I find myself very much like right on the edge <laughs> of like meeting expectations. And I'm very much one of those people who likes to surpass yeah. and surprise people and have them delighted. Uh, that's that's not, I can't do that. I can't. Uh, my first my first mentor had a uh, saying, um, it was under-promise, under-deliver. <laughs> yeah. Go with that one instead, yeah. right? Yeah, no, I'm a perfectionist. That's probably, and like, if you read Lean Startup, I, I think this is like his first line was like it's gonna suck the beta phase because it's not your um, it's not launch like obviously it's not the final product but you're like oh i just don't want to give it to anyone without it being perfect and uh that it's hard what's so funny is how comfortable my developers are with it yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's unreal they're like this is great and i hate to saying this is great and i'm like <laughs> it's not awful it's just yeah. not yeah. Not what I want it to be yeah. yet. So this week has been I'm so, I'm so strenuous. This is my vision over here, and you just keep me. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh my god! So like rolling it out even to the so the retail partners, I had set up calls before I even gave it to them, yeah. and I showed them our feature list. I even told them what with different investment levels we'd be able to achieve in a timeline. I just decided that, and I don't know if other people do this, and honestly, I don't give a shit. But this is how I decided. I was going to be very full disclosure. They're taking a risk on me, so I thought I'm going to show you exactly what the plan is and how each level affects the other. I did the same thing with my team too, because you have to be. There's a very fine line of how much you you give your team um, as far as pressure. There's some things they just don't need to know um, because it's undue stress for them, um, and that's also that island effect similar with your husband or your spouse you might not want to give them everything either because uh, they can't handle it no <laughs> it's it's uh they ask for it and you oh, have to give them the modified version of reality i'll, I'll be honest that was a learning process because yeah. steve literally was like you don't have to tell me everything yeah. <laughs> like you, you, you i don't need to know it all like he literally at one point said like, can you just give me the good stuff today yeah. like <laughs> just the good stuff and yeah, like even then, I think if if I was to start an accelerator, like let's say ten years from now when Vision's successful and I sell and I have a fuck ton of money yeah. and I want to like start investing back into the community, first thing I would do is I'll give my founders therapists. Like maybe I don't need a therapist. I mean, I would take one if it's free, uh, just to talk to and be like, oof, a non-judging party. Um, I think the mental health situation and I um, the week of Anthony Bourdain and uh, Kate Spade. I made a point to tell my team, you have to communicate to me that you need time off. You need a weekend. Like, you need something because I'm stressed and I, I can handle a lot. Um, but I can imagine I, if you can't communicate about it, if this is an island and they're experiencing the same thing with their spouses or their partners, um, they should have feel comfortable enough with me to be able to say, I need a week or X, which is so hard in startup life. Because yeah, yeah. Every person, every hour, every minute matters. Yeah. And you're, and they've taken, some of them have taken me up on this stuff. They've said, like, I need a weekend, and it's been during the most stressful yeah. times. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was a bad I was like, this is bad. not a good time. But, but you have to realize, and I said this, my husband sometimes pushes me back on this stuff, and he's like, oh, you're doing it, and you're pushing through, but not everyone's me. Yeah. And, I have to trust them to know I have if I brought them onto my team that means I trust them to tell me that they're working their hardest as they can if this is they're the best of the best I would only take on the best of the best if they're saying that they need a, a minute 
I'll give them a minute. Um, and you just have to trust. Uh, otherwise, like, why even do it? Um, and you said it earlier, and I get it, but in part of, it always comes back to money, too, right? How do you allocate your resources? Why didn't you hire a team from India? <laughs> Slovenia. <laughs> is, that a, is that a country? <laughs> it is after two minutes. <laughs> Slovakia, is that a country? Sure. Yeah. I watched something on like Jimmy Kimmel where people were being able to mention the countries yeah. and I was like, oh crap, yeah. that would be me. Um, no, it was important to me, at least in this, and we're at the phase now though, that I would feel comfortable contracting out some work, but I needed someone who understood the underlining architecture to ensure that the quality um, wouldn't shift. And as we bring people on, that it was exactly as anticipated. And you need to have a system in place for that to happen. Because otherwise you're building something just to throw it away. And I think that that's wasteful. Um, so I thought, let's put in the time and the effort in the forefront, and then later it'll be a, a value add. Yeah. Especially as you get funding in and we can just pick it up. But um, now we're in a position in which as we build, all the stuff's in place where we're ready to go, we can contract out. And I have all the people who are needed to ensure that the quality is of expectation. So you mentioned earlier you're um, you're talking to investors, um, pre-seed, seed, Series A, whatever we're talking not, about. Yeah, not Series A. <laughs> in, in, in Charlotte, you could be. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, um, what um, what's that process been like for you? When did you kind of uh, so oh. you started? You formed it and. Uh, November 2007, so we're yeah. third, uh, 15 months removed from that. In 2017, yeah. When did you need, when did you kind of make the decision you needed to raise money? How have you gone about it? Just talk a little bit about the fundraising process. I think it was hard to Charlotte. Uh, well, no, I mean, I wasn't even going to focus on that. I was going to do more self respecting or uh, reflecting and. Uh, you can respect yourself. I can respect and reflect. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was not what I was um, anticipating. And. I think if you told me like, what should I go back and do differently? That's probably the only thing I would go back and uh, reevaluate. I couldn't change how things are. Uh, like I told Virtual Strongbox I was leaving um, because I, I had to. They knew I wasn't in school. I quit or I quit my MBA halfway through, okay. and there was a realization that. What were you doing? You and Charlotte. Okay. And. Uh, it was obviously I wasn't there anymore. We were on the Venture Prize campus, <laughs> on UNC's campus, <laughs> and uh, I'm not good. I'm not good. I don't lie. I'm not someone who gives falsehoods. Okay. <laughs> you get what you get. And I that a little bit. Did you notice yeah, that? Yeah, you Same thing. Wrong. And I never wanted to be that person who was part time. I, I wasn't giving my full heart to virtual Starbucks because I respect them too much. So I had a cutoff date. Now I have always known we, and this is very interesting and something I didn't realize until now that I'm in it, depending upon your vertical is when you will, it really shifts expectations. So you have like a skipper who says, we were generating revenue off the bat. Well, of course you were, you were walking dogs. Like that's, I can't just like fart code and all of a sudden money comes back at me. <laughs> like that's just, <laughs> but it's not how it works. Yeah. So I, and I get it. You always have to be a, um, revenue first mentality. And I think maybe, uh, step one that should on day one been my first thought. Um, and that may have shifted a few things, but ultimately we probably would still be in the same place. But you've got to build a code in order to get people excited about it's, it. Right? Yeah. So. And that takes money. And it's like, it's so, um, it's so challenging, uh, from that. I'm not some rich millennial. I didn't have a, I'm not a trust fund baby. There's nothing behind here that's like, <laughs> I'm not wearing Gucci. <laughs> I think it's really, if you look at me, you know, yeah. she's not flush with cash. That's fair enough. So I'd ask you to pay for the beer. No, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're not or, uh, Jeff Bezos where I had my Wall Street wife and I was on Wall Street and my parents gave me a million or whatever. His like whole family friend round was a million dollars. Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's, I don't have rich friends. <laughs> it's nice though. Turned out well. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, that was my biggest mistake yeah. in life was not having richer friends. Born into the wrong family. <laughs> That's a, yeah. yeah. But uh, it's one of those things where we're, we decided to fundraise. And it was what Juan was the first person who said, you know, if you don't have fundraise, you shouldn't. Which 
It's true. It's very true. If you don't have to, you shouldn't. Which is true. But I would give um, the founder credit in realizing that, too. Like, if I had the ability um, to reach certain goals without fundraising, of course I wouldn't. Why would I want to give up equity if I didn't have to? I get that. But I'm also competing in a market where I'm competing against giants, and uh, I have to reach that vision uh, within a certain time frame. I can't uh, wait around and belabor it. What's nice is... I have a team that gives me the luxury of, yes, if I don't achieve my fundraising goals, we technically will get there still. Yeah. Technically. How long will that take? That's And then how fast can my competition catch up to me? Uh, it's it's one of those things where, no, they can't catch up to me for the next month. Or, and you're like, it's defensible enough, but come on. <laughs> like, if I'm building it in a year, yeah. like th- it, it's achievable. Yeah. So you have to... There, there are certain things I, I'm fundraising because I need to scale at a, a pace that I, I think is reasonable. Um, Do you have a goal for your fundraising amount? Yeah, five fifty. Okay. And that achieves five hundred fifty dollars. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Take part today. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. Yeah, no, I'll write you my check in a minute. That's yeah. the other complicated part too. Is um, you have to figure out. I'm not going to get the 550 all at once. Like, yeah. God, if I was that lucky, which I'm not. Yeah. I've never won a scratcher in my life. I know that I even informed my team to the level of if we get $100,000, this is how it's allocated. Two fifty, this is what's happening. Full round, it's, it changes. Everything, all the factors changes, the financials change, everything changes. It's very hard when I have someone who comes in and is like, well, I'm going to give you $100,000. What does that mean? And you have to know. Like, you want a real answer? Like, it's, it's way more complicated than me just being like 16% on marketing, which is true. But is it like if I'm in the heat of things today, is that where the money should go? No, it's it's all fake. Yeah. Um, I think you want a semblance of understanding of how that's going to work out. And I tried to map it. But uh, obviously, that's a very fluid process. And if you want to know why I think women are better to invest in and why they have those stats of why uh, they get more money on the dollar or what have you, I think it's 73 cents for a dollar compared to 38 cents, it's because we are very conscientious of budgeting. Uh, because our whole lives, as soon as I got married, who do you think was in charge of the budget? That's what we were literally, bread and butter, we have to know our numbers. And we are very conscious of when money runs out and how do we stretch a dollar? Because that is what we were raised to know. And that's why we're going to succeed. So you tell me, no, I don't get the funding that I want. Um, we're still going to succeed. That I'll make it happen. Yeah. But I can make it happen better. And whoever comes in first is going to um, really reap the benefits if we do this now. And that's really the message I try to convey. So um, we're kind of wrapping up, Rip, um, on our on our hour, and we can obviously do this again. Um, and would enjoy doing it again. Oh yeah, um, you like you like talking to me? I don't know. <laughs> Let's not take this conversation too far with the like. Um, maybe it's the beer talking. Um, no, that's a yeah. <laughs> you know we're best friends. We decided early on. It's <laughs> funny. Um, you can admit it. You don't when, have to admit it to your other. When guests. can I download the app and use it myself? Uh, so the goal is April. Okay. Uh, you could technically I could put you on the beta list that's now. That's fine. Yeah, but um, um, no, it's fully. It's been fully functioning. We've since our prototype um, last April. Like we we've had something up and running for a second. Now it's just we're getting into that area of now we're getting hyper specific on why we're special and fine tuning that and making sure that it's protected uh, and that we're doing it correctly. That's what's taking making yeah. the process elongated. Not only that, I'm making sure that the people on my team um, are the right people, and that took time. How do people find you? Vision.co. Okay. Vision with an H. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a man, uh, yeah. I get this a lot too. Uh, for some reason, older white guys they initially think that it's called Vision. Sure. I'm not kidding. Only older white guys. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? That's awesome. Yeah. Anyways, I have lots of things I noticed that look quirks, but visual. So technically that means I'm not an older white guy. You knew right off yeah. the bat it was vision? Yeah, I must be middle-aged, just not older. Nailed it. Yeah. You're cool. <laughs> uh, Twitter, 
Instagram would yeah. be big for vision you. Code, would, yeah, all of them. Yeah, it's yeah. all all there. Vision. So for you, it's more Instagram than it would be anything else, then, right? Yeah, we struggle on Twitter. Yeah, and I think a lot. I don't know if a lot of people struggle on Twitter or what, but even as a personal Twitter account, I suck. I can't get it to work. I don't like it either. It's yeah. just a nasty place. I'm not a big Instagram's fan. happy. Yeah. Lots of pictures. Yeah, pictures are <laughs> pictures are good, right? Pictures, pictures are, good. are great. Pictures are money. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, no, we're uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, we're um, everywhere. Well, thanks for being a friend of the community. Thanks for being a personal friend. Oh, um, see, so, so glad that you dropped yeah, that. Uh, Do you say uh, that to all your guests? Yeah. We're gonna cut that out. Right? <laughs> Don't cut it out. <laughs> So, no, thanks for being a friend of the community. Yeah. Um, you've got a great opportunity. Um, it's a long, hard road. It's been a long, hard road. Um, I wish it's an easy road. It's not. No. If it was easy, um, everyone could do it. That's yeah. what my mom tells me yeah. whenever I call her upset. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if other entrepreneurs do that, yeah. but my mom's a great listener That's until all. she says, Samantha. So what's her phone number so other entrepreneurs yeah, can call yeah. her? Uh, yeah. I don't think they'll like it. Her pep talk is being mean to you, That's being cool. like, do you want to quit? <laughs> Oh man, it's harsh. It's harsh. Most people can't handle it. So, um, <laughs> but thanks for being a, a friend to the community. Thanks for hosting See the South. It was a necessary thing to be done. Um, thanks for pushing the envelope with, uh, with vision. Um, and most importantly to me, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh yeah. Thank so, you for having me. I enjoyed having it. Wasn't this easy? Uh, first of all, yes. Yeah. I knew it was going to be easy. Yeah. That's why I was like, let's do it. This is going to be a rough week. Let's end it on an easy thing. That's right. So, um, well, thanks. So, um, look forward to seeing the launch in, um, in April yeah. or May. Um, yeah. When it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to tell you what happens. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so we'll see you out there soon, too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.